Yoda makes this statement in episode one, and if you're a Star Wars fan, we're going to kind of have some fun with Star Wars over the next few weeks. If you're not a Star Wars fan, it's okay. You can still come. Don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a creative theme. Um, But he makes this statement, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Right? So the end result of fear creeping into our lives is this thing called suffering. And I think there is truth to that, right? I think that's kind of lived out in our experience of life. That when fear sets in in someone's heart, in my heart, suffering takes place. Sometimes we can just suffer internally, wondering, right? You ever sent a text message to somebody and you know they've read it? And you've even seen the three little dots telling you that they're like texting, but then they don't send anything back. Why didn't they, why didn't they answer me? Right? Fear in the little way. And and fear has this broad impact in our lives. It's almost like if your life was like a a house, every little crevice, every little closet, every space, fear has an impact in. It just, there's there's nothing exempt from it. And one of the areas that we're going to focus in on over the next, I don't know, six or seven weeks is how fear impacts us as leaders, right? What is the impact that fear can have on leadership? Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. That's great, but I'm not a leader, so I don't have to come to church for the next six weeks, <laughs> right? But here's the thing. Can we, let me just define leadership for us in our context, is that leadership is not a position you hold. Leadership is not necessarily something that someone bestows upon you, you know, uh, I get installed as the next lead pastor, so therefore I am a leader, right? We'll take a very simple definition that gets used often, and that is that leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. And influence, believe it or not, doesn't even have to be given to you. Influence oftentimes just happens without us even knowing it. You know, oftentimes you'll hear of somebody or you'll hear stories of people who say, I got this email from somebody and they wrote me this email about what an impact that, that this statement that I had or something that I did or something very simple. And I had no idea. Well, that's what influence is. I say this often when I do uh, I'm participating in child dedications is that as a parent, we move from authority to influence, real leadership. And the truth is this, that every one of us in this room, every person on this planet, all of us have some level of influence. So for those of you whose hearts were palpitating, waiting for the first fill-in, there it is. <clears throat> we all have a measure of influence. We all have spheres, we all have places that we produce and we give influence to. And so the question is, what will we do with that influence and how will fear impact that? Because as we said earlier, fear, when it creeps into areas of our life, produces suffering and no more so than in leadership. And when fear creeps in and suffering emerges, we know that we have entered into the dark side of leadership. You don't have to look very far, right, to to see the effects of the dark side of leadership, where fear really has taken a hold of someone. And if we just pause for a second, look at kind of the obvious places of leadership in our politics, places of leadership in business in the marketplace, places of leadership in religious systems and structures and denominations, Boy, it doesn't take very long to see where ambition, power, and control have taken over and produced suffering. We see that in scandals within communities of faith where those that we entrust the care of our souls have abused that for their own benefit and their own gain. We see it in the political realm. We see it even as we look in, our, in the landscape of, of the military actions that are taking place all over the planet. The, the, the necessary controlling of power, we don't want to give it up. 
And so fear sets in and takes over like leadership and takes over uh, our hearts. And what happens is this, we turn, fear can take something like aspiration and it can turn something really powerful like aspiration into ambition, right? There's something beautiful about aspiring. There's something, by the way, I'm having a trouble breathing today uh, because I ran yesterday. I've never ran so hard, so slow <laughs> in my life. And it's just produced all kinds of wonderfulness in my lungs. So I apologize. I've got that Gatorade right here, Dennis. I know what you're doing. He's such a servant. He's already thinking about it, but I have it right there. Um, he's such a, give it up for Dennis Anderson. <laughs> and that's how, that's how I buy some time to give people to applaud you. All right. Anybody else need some applause? Well, give myself a little bit more time. So I'll try not to kick that on you today. But right, uh, when we think about it, aspiration is great. Like we should all aspire. We should all have aspirations for our parenting. We should have aspirations for our marriage, for our relationships, for our vocation. But when fear sets in, aspiration becomes ambition, blind ambition. It doesn't matter who it affects. If it gets me where I'm going, then that's a win. Fear, when it sets into leadership, takes responsibility and turns it into power. I can't think of a, a, a better space that this happens in than in parenting. If you're, a, how many parents in the room? Anybody a parent? Like, and it doesn't really matter if kids are old or younger, but parenting for me is where the responsibility of parenting, when fear sets in my heart, it moves from responsibility to power, and I start saying the most ridiculous things to my children, like, because I'm your father. <laughs> right? Like that, that's a movement, right? That's a movement from the responsibility to nurture and care and guide and direct into power. I have a, I have a title that you don't have, so do what I say, right? And that's what fear does when I'm afraid that my children are going to reflect poorly on me. When I'm afraid that I'm failing as a parent, that I've lost control. So that's another thing that fear does. Fear takes authority and turns it into control, right? God has given me a measure of authority in my home with my children. But as soon as I start to get afraid, the authority that I have slips into control. How can I just control them? Make sure that they can never make a mistake. Make sure that they do everything the way. Like the things I like. Do the things I want for them. And this happens in all kinds of spaces, and we'll call this the dark side of leadership. And at the end of the day, the dark side of leadership is serve yourself leadership. You ever been to a place that's like, serve yourself? We love that, right? Just go up, help yourself, serve yourself. But at its root, like when fear sets in, that's what leadership becomes. How do I serve myself? How do I take all these people around me that I have influence for and leverage them for my power and leverage them for my prestige, leverage them for my self-worth? So that when my children go out in public and they behave perfectly and somebody says, oh, your children are such well-behaved kids, which has never been said to me. By the way, your children, no, I'm just kidding, right? You're, just, you're such a good parent. It's about me, right, at the end of the day. It's about me. And the scary thing is this, that we live in a world where that type of leadership is given power and prestige. That this is the world that we live in, where the longevity of power, the breadth of it, the influence. And it doesn't really matter how it gets there, but if you're ambitious and you rise to the top, we'll praise you and look at this. But forget about the wake of suffering 
along the way. And what's amazing is that Jesus, who walked on this planet over 2,000 years ago, was dealing with this same very, this very same issue. 2,000 years ago, nothing was different. There was a dark side of leadership. There was a path. And Jesus came and said, I'm going to set the record straight. I'm going to help my followers understand that there is a better way, that there is a way to defeat the dark side of leadership. And we see it in six little verses that were captured in a book called Luke. Tradition says that this book was written by a guy named Luke, who was a doctor who set out to give the best record he could of the life and teachings of Jesus in the beginning of this thing called the church, a group of people that would live their lives in the name of and under the teachings of Jesus, that they would come to understand that Jesus was more than a prophet, that Jesus was more than a really wise philosopher, but that Jesus was actually in some way God. (laughs) That was an important point, I guess. Man, you talk about the incarnation, the lights just start going crazy, right? And so, <laughs> so I love it. You just know, like, I love that stuff. I love that. But some people would freak out. Like, how in the world? It's kind of cool. All right. All right, so that's what Luke is, right? We have no idea what we're doing around here, okay? So <clears throat> Luke writes this book. It's part of what's called the New Testament, second part of what is known as the Christian scripture. And, uh, and it's a gospel, the good news about Jesus. And in Luke chapter 22, we're, just to set the scene for you, this is toward the end of Jesus' ministry here on earth. He's getting ready to be betrayed, uh, tortured, and crucified. Spoiler alert, he rises from the dead, right? And then the church is born. But this is that moment where, like, everything is about to be shattered. All the hopes, all the dreams, what everyone wanted of Jesus, what everyone expected of Jesus is all getting ready to end All the lights that were lit on Christmas Eve are about to go out. And so he's sitting at this space that we tend to call the Last Supper. He's sharing a meal with these 12 Jedi apprentices of his. And as they sit there, Jesus is talking with them, giving them some teachings. And this is what it says in verse 24. Then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. It seems like a good topic. I mean, after all, Jesus did just get done saying, this is my body broken for you. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. It seems it would flow naturally out of that topic. Who's going to be the greatest? (laughs) You ever miss it? (laughs) So what is it? Why? How did the conversation go south so quick? Well, because right after Jesus says this, he brought this little bombshell to the table. He said, but here's the deal. One of you is going to betray me. And so the conversation started like this. Well, I'm not going to betray Jesus. I mean, look what I've done. I mean, I had this perfectly wonderful tax collecting business. I had all the power I wanted. I had all the wealth that I wanted. And I gave it all up and followed Jesus. And I've thrown the best party ever. My name's Matthew, and I'm going to be the greatest. Oh, hold on one second, Matthew. Let me remind you that me and my brother, we were out on a boat and we were fishing and we had a business going and we were caring and we were working for our dad and we didn't even know this joker named Jesus. And he just came up and said to us, hey, come follow me. Lay your nets down. And that's what we did. We walked away from it all. Our whole business, everything, walked away from our family, gave up it all. We're going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Oh, well, hold on a second. <laughs> 
and go down the line. And so what happens is a conversation that starts with not me turns into why not me? And it blinds the disciples. See, fear, that fear of failure turned into self-aggrandizing. And it blinded the disciples that they were falling into the trap of fear, that the leadership that they were given, the influence that they had been given over masses amounts of people was being twisted and turned by fear of being the one who would betray. And so Jesus says, hold on a second. In this world, the kings and great men, they lorded over the people, yet they're called friends of the people. He says, the leadership of this world is deceptive. Think about it. It says they lord their power. They exact from them taxes beyond what is due to them. It's all about their prestige. They live in the comfort of palaces. And this was in the religious settings. This was in the politics of the day. And yet somehow they're espoused as friends of the people, required certain titles, and they required certain homage to be paid to them. It says that's what this world is like. But then Jesus says what Jesus always says. But among you, it will be different. It's got to be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. And all of them are like, what is wrong with this guy? Does he not know what he can do? I mean, this guy has silenced the Pharisees, the, the religious elite of their day. All these people that controlled uh, Jesus. Jesus walked on water. He fed thousands of people, healed the blind. He even raised one guy from the dead. Serve? No way. Jesus says this was, but here's the thing, and this is what everybody in this place needs to know. From those of us that have grown up going to church, grown up listening to wonderful sermons like this one, grown up, you know, just reaping the harvest of church life. To those of you that are here for the first time and are not sure why you're here except she's really pretty and invited you. <laughs> the way of Jesus always is different. It's always different than the kingdoms of this world. And so when you hear about Jesus talking and Jesus offering a way forward, it's generally different than what this... After all, this is a guy who said, love your enemies. <clears throat> Come again. He said, pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Forgive. Don't worry. Rest. This is not the marketing scheme of our world. I don't know if you know. Success doesn't come by resting. Success, success doesn't come by forgiving the coworker who stabs you in the back. You don't rise in the ranks of leadership by loving your enemies. No, you crush your enemies in the marketplace. So Jesus says it has to be different among you. And here's how it's different. That the greatest one at the table always serves the potential sitting at the table. That that is the way you break the dark side of leadership. That is the way fear doesn't over. Because you see your role as the one with the greatest amount of influence. I am there sitting at this table so that I might serve those around the table. You know, in my context... If I could be so like, I, I don't like to use this language, but as your pastor, you know what my role is? To serve your greatness. 
My, my job is not to enroll you into some enlightened vision that I have for Crossroads Church and sign you up and get you accomplishing my vision. My role is to create a space where we come together as a community and we have the resources and the structure to release and empower you into the greatness that God has called you to, into the peacemaking efforts God has called you to, to the way that he shaped you and worked in your heart and your life. That's my role. Because that's what leadership is according to Jesus. It's not, oh, here's my table. You're all are sitting at it. Well, I can get Dennis to do this because Dennis gets paid here. And I can get you to do this because you're going to give 12 hours. And I can get you to do this and I can get you to do this. And, I, and then look, I get to tell this great story of my great leadership. That's not what it's about. It's what it becomes about sometimes. So people oftentimes say, well, what can I do? They, they show up at a church. They say, well, what can I do? How can I help? The first question for those of us that are in leadership at a church should be, we can get to that, but how can we help you? How can we help you? What's God calling you? What's God doing in your life? How are you wired? What is it that you, you're being called? You have an entrepreneurial spirit. What do you want to start? How do we release you into that and then celebrate and, and bring resources from the community to see that flourish? That's how self-serving, the dark side of leadership is broken. And that's how it happens in my everyday normal life. But how about you? What about your everyday normal life? When you walk out of here and you go back to home and you go out to work or your neighborhood, what does this mean for you? I think it means that we have to start becoming good stewards of the influence that God has given to us. We have to start recognizing that I have been given influence, that I do have leadership. I might not have a title, in fact, the title doesn't really matter. Jesus actually said to his disciples, don't let anybody call you father. Don't let anybody give you these titles. You only have one father. I mean, I think there's a principle there, right? Don't, don't get caught in that trap of titles and prestige. It's just not where it's at. So how do you and I start to steward the influence we've been given, whether it's at work or home or in a marriage or in our neighborhood? I think there's three questions we could ask ourselves. And it's one of your next steps to work through these questions. You don't have to rush to write them down. I should have told the first service. That was kind of fun to watch them all write it down as fast as they could and then turn the page and be like, oh, they're right there. All right. I have a little twisted sense of humor up here. So first question, what is the table? What are your tables? What are the tables that you're sitting at? A couple of them just come to mind, like your friendships. Right? Your, your family, your marriage, if you're married in here, right? What, what are your parenting, your workspace, right? What are your tables? That's the first question of what are the tables that God has set me at? Second question is who's sitting at your tables, right? You think of each of those tables that you're sitting at. So who's around the table with me? And then the third question is what are the needs of those sitting around the table and how do I meet them? How do I set their needs as a priority? How do I move in a space that says, what are the impediments for them walking into the greatness that God's called them to? How can I be a part of their success? That's, that's capacity building in people, right? This is a barrier. Let's remove the barrier. So who are those people? And then when we do that, we start to live out what's called the law of influence, and I think this is another part of in our every let's, let's memorize this law of influence together. 
right? You will have to write this one down. The Law of Influence comes from a, a book called The Go-Giver. It's one of my favorite books. I read it about 15 years ago. I read it in a time where I was doing a lot of studying on leadership. Uh, and, and this little book, it was a little fable. There's a, a red book, but you can get that someplace else. We have these available for you. And I'll tell you why in a second. But The Law of Influence... Um, it, it flows from this series of books called The Go-Giver. And here's what the law of influence states. It says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. And I was very fortunate to, for some reason, come across this little book. And I read this book early on in my leadership life where people started giving me titles <laughs> that meant I was in charge of some things. And a lot of times, in a lot of spaces, I was like really young to have that leadership. And it could have been really easy to get drunk with some of that. And I'm grateful for this book and another book called Multipliers that really became kind of, for me, a Bible on leadership, the type of leader I wanted to be and what I wanted to do with the, the influence that God entrusted into my care. And so I, I hold these up as really fantastic fables and, and books to look at. And we have them in the back if you'd like to pick a copy up today and maybe suggest for your small group to read it. Uh, Sign-ups for small groups are going to get going next week. And this would be a great book to read through together. There's discussion questions in the back or just read it by yourself. You can listen to it. You can get the audible version. But this is this idea that, believe it or not, your influence will increase as you serve others. It's not as you get titles, because you can have a lot of power, you can have a lot of control, you can have a nice car, you can have a private plane, but you can have very little actual influence in what really matters in life. And so this is what this series is about. So over the next six or seven weeks, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly how long the series is, but... We're going to look at the dark side of leadership, how fear creeps in, and how we can battle that dark side in some areas of our lives. We're going to talk about the dark side of leadership in our parenting, the dark side of leadership in our relationships, our marriages, the dark side of leadership at work. We're going to talk about the dark side of leadership at church. We're going to talk about on football Sunday, we're going to talk about this important reality of what do you do when you start to feel like you can't carry on anymore in this endeavor. When serving others just becomes so difficult you want to quit, when your weakness starts to set in, how do you carry on? What better person to talk about that on Sunday than Ricky who lost three AFC championship games in a row to the Denver Broncos? You'll have to remind him of that. And we're going to talk about these spaces and say, what is the fear that creeps in that causes us and, and is entices us into a movement towards ambition, power, control in these areas. And I think if we'll lean in and if we'll open our hearts and if we'll humble ourselves, we'll see our influence grow. And we actually start doing some powerful things. We start serving others. We learn how to champion their greatness, the people around the tables in our lives. We start to get excited about empowering their success. We start to see our success in their success. And we ultimately defeat the dark side of leadership. And, and what is this, what we're talking about here? What we're talking about here is nothing more than peacemaking. Creating wholeness in someone else's life. Maybe somebody who didn't have the same opportunities as you. We're talking about leadership in such a way that doesn't necessarily get rewarded by this world. But it's a leadership and it's an influence that is honoring of God, the one who created the people sitting at the table with us. 
And I think this could be a really powerful moment in our lives. But we have to come together, humble ourselves, open up those tables, question maybe the things that we've been taught about leadership, maybe even question the thing you've believed that you're not a leader. And maybe you need to hear the voice and the whisper of God say, you are a leader and step into that incredible responsibility. As we wrap up today, we're going to sing a song together, which I think is very fitting given the state of our world and all that's been going on. But I want to give you an opportunity to just reflect on what God might be inviting you into this morning. I hope that maybe this week you'll take some time and sit down and think through those questions. I know that that's a long shot. I'm not foolish. Everybody's really super busy. But, you know, maybe you take those talk notes home and one night, you know, when you can't sleep or... You're sitting there at the table. Maybe you have a family discussion. You know, maybe you ask the kids, what's your table that you're sitting at? They're like, the kitchen table, duh, right? But whatever, you know, you can talk with them in their language about it. Maybe God's inviting you to something that deals with peas and pudding. I have no idea. That's how God works. Like you see something and then it reminds you peas and you know somebody who's a pea farmer and they're hurting. And so God just put that on your heart to reach out to him this week. Do it. That's how God works. It's crazy and it's a mystery. You have no idea what I've said. All you've been thinking about is your pea farmer friend. That's all good. So what is God inviting you into? So during this time, I would encourage you to you know, pull out your connect card, finish filling that out. Look at the next steps around the Worth It campaign even. Grab that offering envelope, new shiny offering envelope. Make it easy to give to the Worth It fund, the Worth It campaign and everything. But just pause and just, gosh, our week is so filled with noise. Even our church services can be filled with noise and people up here talking. Just take advantage of the space to breathe a little bit, to think about the tables you're sitting at, the people around it, and how you can serve them. And then I'll come back if you'll allow me and just pray for us. And then Dennis will get us out of here.